Hello and welcome to Team Titans. This is the podcast that talks about the stories of people with unique perspectives on work itself, how they define processes, build tools, create, perhaps even destroy processes, and lead teams and the like. I'm your host, Ryan Spilken, and joining me on co-hosting duties today is Adaptivist's Head of DevOps, Matt Saunders. Matt, what's happening, man? Hello. Hi, Ryan. Um, lots is happening. Um, um, we're doing um, so many things in the run-up to the holiday season. Um, I'm losing track of them. Um, it's almost as if that we need to kind of like work out um, why we're doing various things and like make some streams of values or something like that. Um, so, <laughs> well, you, you know, know, those sort of things are something quite exciting. So I'm really hoping that I'll get some time to speak to someone really cool who knows about this stuff. Well, Matt, it just so happens that we have somebody here today to discuss value streams in a, a way that I cannot wait to hear about. And I think we should just go ahead and bring them on. It is my distinct pleasure to introduce our listeners today to the value stream guy, Steve Pereira. Steve, thank you so much for joining us on Team Titans. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it sounds like it's great timing. So I'm very pleased that this is all working out. Well, Steve... We know that uh, you're you're big on the value stream, but it's but it seems like you took the jet stream down to Miami recently for Art Basel. Steve, I got to ask before we jump into the art of value stream management, can we talk a, just for a second about what sort of art you were hoping you like to experience at events like Art Basel? Yeah, it was it was my first time um, in Miami, first time Art Basel, and uh, I, I went because. My girlfriend has gone many, many times in the past and she knows her way around. And uh, it was always something that I was interested in. But um, it, I, I don't know what I expected. There was obviously a lot of NFT activity, uh, a lot of sort of street art aesthetic, which I think is, or I suppose it's sort of like meme influenced art is very popular at the moment. Or... No, <laughs> now that I, when I say that, I'm like, wait, art is basically all memes and it always has been, but um, it seems very internet influenced at the moment, very crypto influenced at the moment, very speculation influenced at the moment. But I did have some really interesting conversations with folks about uh, the blockchain aspect of NFTs and how art is going to be sort of rewarding artists post-sale over time, sort of like, uh, you know, how musicians get trickle-down payments from Spotify or whatever else. <laughs> Hopefully it's not a trickle-down uh, economic model uh, in the art world, but uh, who knows? But I like the idea that uh, this seems to be moving in a, in a direction where folks can get a piece of what the speculators are profiting from over time hmm. in whatever way that that takes hold but it was kind of a kind of a crash course on the art world at the moment all the hype there was a lot of flash and um fancy cars uh i saw some actor from Beverly Hills 90210, which was the only celebrity sighting I had, which was very strange. <laughs> I hope it wasn't that Ian guy, you know, the blonde one from the show. It, anyway. it absolutely was. <laughs> That's bizarre. I was just thinking of him. Um, Ian, Ian Zeering, right? 
Well, I enjoy yeah, it. and I, also at the most meme NFT crypto bro show thing, I actually had a dinner reservation and I walked through the show. That was ridiculous. And as I was walking into dinner, he was walking out. And I was like, huh. That's it, though. That's the, that's the extent of my celebrity sightings. You should have taken oh, a photo man. and sold it as an NFT. <laughs> there it is. You could, have, you could have gotten in on the blockchain right there. <laughs> oh, I'm too dedicated to my current endeavors. But yes, if I ever, if I ever feel the urge to pivot, that, that does sound like a viable business model. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I would love to see the value stream for your NFT deliverables. Um, <laughs> and really, you are a busy guy. So could you tell us a little bit about how your career started and how you ended up focusing so intently on value streams? Yeah, that's a that's a super wandering road. Um, and it actually is relevant, I think. Uh, I'm kind of a big picture systems thinking person. So when I think about, you know, how I got here, it goes all the way back. Um, Day one. <laughs> Where did it begin, exactly. Steve? <laughs> it's the start of the Bible, really. Um, but my, my first job, actually, I was making pizza at a pizza restaurant and I was always focused on actually, even before I got a job, but, but really, it, this really became obvious when I started working was that I was always kind of looking to kind of optimize the flow, right. And get into the flow and stay in the flow and sort of reach this kind of Zen state of work, which I had no idea what, you know, I didn't know what a flow state was. Um, I still can't pronounce Mihai, Csikszentmihalyi. Um, and, but um, I, I've always through my career been really focused on the flow of work and from a collective perspective and an individual perspective, starting out individual, um, but as I started to lead teams and lead organizations, looking at larger and larger manifestations of collective flow, like how do we manage the handoffs between people? How do we keep things moving and constantly improve? And that um, was a part of every job I've ever had. It's just kind of my default operating mode. Uh, but I've been through a number of positions that really made that uh, a focus. Like I was in uh, release engineering from very early, uh, well before there was DevOps, well before I even knew Agile was a thing, um, before I could write a single line of code. Um, and I fell into that from like just tech support. Um, and then I got into build and release engineering from a, from a larger perspective, like crafting releases from multiple teams, uh, building out infrastructure so that we could spin up and tear down resources to test things and the flow, uh, and on and on and on until, you know, I got to uh, CTO is my last like real job. And then looking at multiple flows, multiple release processes, um, Lots of handoffs, working across the entire organization from sales to success to marketing to kind of coordinate this creation and delivery of value. And, um, and then, you know, when I, when I wanted to start my own thing, 
I just looked at what is the what's been the common thread, and what do I see as a massive gap in the market, um, and what is you know the thing that the world really needs at this moment of like increasing software complexity, increasing complexity in terms of collaboration, the pains and costs of siloed organizations just increasing over time, and that brought me to value stream consulting. So just looking across the organization at how you build and release software, because I think that that's where we are right now. I think DevOps has done a lot to, to bridge gaps, but there's still tons of gaps outside of DevOps. And uh, we are now in a position where we can start to look across the organization at the entire flow. So as you were talking there, Steve, um, I was hearing lots of lots of terms you hear commonly associated with DevOps. Things like systems thinking that you hear from the likes of you know Gene Kim, Jonathan Smart. They talk a lot about uh, that sort of thing. Silos as well. Um, so um, I'm kind of intrigued as to um, what you see as being like the differences between um, value stream mapping and, and DevOps because we've all been doing DevOps or trying to do DevOps for a long time. Um, VSM seems to have been around for a long time, but now there's there's a bit more of a groundswell around it. Um, and you hinted there somewhat about other areas of the organizations. Um, can you expand on that a little bit? There's been a lot of folks talking about this for quite some time. You know, um, Dominica de Grandis is a big advocate of uh, value stream mapping. Um, her book, Making Work Visible, came out a long time ago now. Uh, the original DevOps handbook, uh, which is another IT revolution book, uh, was Gene Kim, John Willis. I think Damon Edwards was in on that. Damon Edwards is another um, original DevOps proponent who did value stream mapping constantly um, and really swears by it as a, you know, a way to sort of show folks why you need DevOps you know, from, from back in the day when you're trying to convince folks that this was, a, this was a thing, and then what the impact would be if you actually focus on flow. And so there's a lot of material coming out of early days of DevOps, but I think it was kind of overshadowed by the fact that people were starting from almost no automation. And there's a lot of really simple automation that you can do to improve flow. And Really, you know, we were at a at a point with software development where it was kind of obvious where the bottlenecks were, right? You didn't really have to map out the value stream to figure out that, okay, we should have uh, CI, CD, and, you know, we should start um, merging our branches earlier, or we should have um, test environments available for people to use and be able to spin them up and tear them down, or at least refresh them. So there was just so much low hanging fruit that you didn't really need a value stream app in order to make uh, a lot of progress. Not that you couldn't make more progress or better progress with a value stream app, it's just you didn't need it to get off the ground. That brings us to now where, you know, all of those measures are kind of table stakes, right? You have to have CIC, you have to have ephemeral testing environments, you have to have automated testing. Um, you have to have infrastructure as code or else you're way behind the baseline, right? And it's been very obvious that if you don't have these things, you, you really cannot 
perform at a level of the highest performing organizations. And so that's kind of like a settled area of study. And now people are starting to wake up to the idea that, okay, well, that gap between dev and ops is one gap. Uh, but the real challenge and the real opportunity is every other gap in the organization, which is why folks started to, to slap all these other abbreviations into yeah, DevOps. And they, ops and, yeah, exactly. Dev, you know, sec, yeah. we went down that ridiculous road. Um, and all that meant was you can't have gaps anywhere. You have to have flow across the organization and you have to have ways of understanding that flow. And so value stream mapping and value stream management have now risen as the tools that make that a lot easier to wrangle. And in parallel with things like domain-driven design, like event storming also does a similar job of kind of showing folks, here's what happens across the organization when you're trying to build and deliver value. Steve. I mean, you say that there's value stream mapping and value stream management, and pardon my ignorance here, but um, tell us a little bit about the difference between the uh, the mapping and the management of the value stream. Yeah, that's a good clarification. Value stream mapping is one aspect of value stream management. Value stream management is the the name that we've adopted as the way to manage and improve value streams. And that starts with first acknowledging that, you know, adopting this paradigm that your organization is a collection of value streams, right? So the first task of value stream management is basically, you can see your organization as value streams if you want to, right? They're invisible, but that could be a useful model for you to understand how your organization functions as delivering value to customers, right? So if you if you think of your organization as value streams, meaning there is a flow of work that delivers value to a customer. It's just a sequence of activities that are performed that take raw materials. In the case of knowledge work, that's like ideas, things in the backlog, things people have asked for. And then on the other end, you have like a satisfied customer. All of the activities that go on, uh, which are, in reality, part of a, a network, right? It's not that simple. It's not a linear, simple flow, but simple can help you understand it. So if you think of just this linear flow, value stream mapping is how you kind of initially understand what that looks like or how you can visualize that so you can better understand it. But the magic of value stream mapping is the measurement aspect. So after you map out what this looks like, the measurement allows you to qualitatively and quantitatively measure how long everything takes and how long everything is waiting between each activity, which highlights the handoffs, it highlights the pain of the silos that are involved. And so it gives you a way of sort of getting started with value stream management. And now we have additional practices that are that make up the the area of study that we call value stream management which is like eliminating waste uh, increasing automation um, reorganizing teams and facilitating workflow so that the flow of work 
is more effective and more efficient. And there's a big uh, push now to create software that allows us to automatically visualize and track and forecast and simulate work in that paradigm. So understanding your organization as a collection of value streams, adding a software layer that allows you to visualize and uh, analyze the performance of that system is where value stream management is arising to kind of address this need for more cross-organization collaboration and coordination. It's interesting. Um, thank you for that, Steve. Um, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, you said like value stream mapping was um, kind of like magic. Um, and that's reminded me of a quote that I saw on the internet, so it's bound to be true, um, attributed to you, um, which was that just the action of mapping this stuff out, you know, without actually going into eliminating waste or um, putting in more automation, et cetera, yada, yada, just the, the, the measurement, um, doing that measurement can actually improve things for an organization. Do you think that's, is that really true? Um, is, that, is, is that something that is, um, is a desirable goal or maybe a, um, a stopping off point, you know, a justification point for VSM? I think that, so what I mean by that is that even if you don't take any dedicated steps to formally address anything that you find in a value stream app. So for instance, you identify bottlenecks or maybe you're just, maybe you just map the value stream and don't actually dig any deeper to find out, okay, where are the constraints here? Where, where is work slowing down? In other words, um, what it actually does for a team is allow them to kind of reconcile their understandings of the work, which otherwise we don't really have. You know, a lot of teams have a sprint structure in their heads and they have, you know, these kind of goalposts of rituals where they do like a sprint kickoff and then they do their daily standup and then they they have a retro or, a, you know, um, a demo and, and the then a retro. Meeting, yeah. yeah, so... Um, that is usually the extent of the individual understanding of how we do work. And that doesn't highlight where there are challenges and where things could be better, right? Uh, so the value stream app, giving you that visual depiction of here's how work actually gets done, um, can really empower people to think differently and make different decisions. But the other effect uh, that I think is really powerful is that every time you show someone a more accurate depiction of reality, you increase their level of comfort and satisfaction with what they're actually doing in the world, right? It, it, things make more sense and you feel more at ease with your place in the system and you understand better how you can positively influence that system, right? So showing people a value stream app can help bring them together as a team because you have this common understanding and maybe you're raising the tide a little. Some folks who really were disengaged and checked out because they really didn't understand how any of this made sense. And I don't understand the difference between doing A and B 
if I can't tie it to something tangible. So the value stream app can really empower folks to feel like more connected to the work and understand the purpose of the work and how they fit into this larger system of value delivery. Uh, another powerful uh, side effect of this, and there are many, I said, there's, you know, they keep coming to me as I'm talking, but like having the connection to, to the customer, right? A value stream is really powerful because it connects individual contributors and their efforts to a customer outcome. And that's fairly rare. And that's fairly recent in the software world. You know, traditionally software engineers have been writing code, packaging it up, throwing it to someone else who packages it differently. And, you know, it's the customer success folks who are the ones who kind of understand how this connects to customers or the salespeople who get to say, here's the new release. Um, and here are the release notes from the engineers. And this kind of handoff, throwing it over the wall every time means that none of those folks are actually connected to customers. And it's very difficult for them to imagine how my efforts on a daily basis are delivering value to customers. Cause I don't necessarily know when they're getting it. I don't really know how they're experiencing it. I don't know that they're impacted by anything that I'm specifically doing, but as you improve that flow and the feedback loops that are involved in uh, the value stream, you develop this stronger understanding, this more sort of visceral connection to the work and the customer outcome. And those two start to come together and you start to realize, okay, when I do this, it means this is coming out the other end and the customer is able to experience that um, as quickly as possible, which, which is another very powerful thing for, for people. We need feedback to really feel like we're doing something useful or valuable. Steve, I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier in this, and that is pizza. Primarily because excellent pizza, but <laughs> I, I, and, and this isn't my specialty, uh, but not, well, pizza is definitely my specialty, but uh, I think that we could use the example of pizza, which you worked in for a while to really highlight how, customer experience can connect all the way back through that value stream because now, and, and this is going to take us to somewhere value stream related. I swear. I'm not just going to rant about pizza. I could, but um, <clears throat> for a pizza establishment that is larger than just your mom and pop chain, which I prefer by the way, but you don't just have the customer calling up the place and ordering what they want and having it delivered. You have a marketing engine that lets the customer know that this pizza is there. You've got an entire digital side that allows a customer to order their pizza right from their phone. And then you have the actual people who are making the pizza and their interface with that technology. And then you have the driver who's then taking the pizza and then, you know, it's ending up at the customer's doorstep. Um, and hopefully they're getting a tasty pie. So is there an industry that doesn't need value stream management? Is there a business that that could that doesn't need this or does everybody need it from startups to dominoes? Yeah, everybody needs it. Uh, everybody has it. I mean, the, the, the thing is that everybody has this because if you if you have a better term 
for the way your organization delivers value to customers, you can use that term, but you don't have a business unless you have that thing. And that's what we call value streams. And that, that's what we call value stream management. Um, I'm a little uh, looser in terms of definition than a lot of folks who talk about value streams. Um, a lot of folks who talk about value streams would be referring to that, um, the very high level of like, we have a cheese supplier, we have a sauce supplier, we have someone who supplies the, the flour for the dough. And, you know, all of that comes in as raw materials and then it goes out as pizza. Um, but uh, the way I see value streams is that the entire organization is just a collection of value streams. Meaning, as you mentioned, the marketing efforts you know, the act of crafting a campaign and delivering a campaign is one value stream that gets connected to the pizza creation and delivery value stream because that's, you know, that's bringing in the customers who are calling and ordering pizza, right? Um, so that's all, how all this starts to fit together. To address you, the question of, you know, who doesn't need value streams, um, I really haven't ever found a business or a business model that doesn't utilize a sequence of activities to deliver value. You know, if you can just sell air, um, then you might not have a value stream or you just have a very short value stream. Um, but I think, you know, it's everywhere. It's in the physical world. We're in early days of applying this to the digital world where it's vastly more complex. Mm. Um, but uh, that's where I think the power and the opportunity is. In a startup specifically, you mentioned startup and, and it's worthwhile mentioning startup because a lot of folks who think about value streams, they think about, well, that's for companies that have big, slow, complicated processes and a lot of bureaucracy because they're wasting a lot of time. And they need to find out, you know, what they can chop so that they can be more efficient. Um, that is partially true. In a startup, though, you have a, a different type of waste, right? You don't have uh, calcified bureaucracy and a lot of silos. Uh, what you have is a lot of waste because folks don't know what's going on, right? They don't understand how their work fits together. They don't understand what they should be focused on. Uh, they don't understand how to combine all of the different capabilities and skills that they have in order to deliver more, more value or, or value more effectively. They don't know how to fit the new hire into the flow so that that person can be productive and contribute and understand their place in the, in the organization. So in a startup, a value stream app can really help you go from chaos to a sense of understanding. It doesn't mean you have to have uh, a strict process. Uh, you can throw the map away afterwards and you'd still have a better understanding of how things are going and ease a lot of people's minds and make them feel like they're, they're contributing more effectively. But it really helps in a startup where you're scaling, where you're hiring a lot to be able to show folks a map and say, 
here's where we need your help. And you're going to be working with this person upstream and you're going to be working with that person downstream. So you should get to know those people and you should get to understand how you can, you know, grab the baton from them and hand it off without dropping it on the ground. Just, just referring back to um, Steve's answers, your answers to the, one of the previous questions about how effectively the map is giving you context. Um, and yeah, in a startup, you've got ideas flying around all over the place. Nobody quite knows who's doing what. Um, yet somehow the whole thing is, is going like a juggernaut towards something. Um, and yeah, you come in new to that and you're like, well, what do I do? Um, you know, what should I be doing? I guess in a bigger organization, you've got existing doctrine, I guess. Um, you go into a team that's fairly well-defined um, as, as a new person starting and with a fairly well-defined list of tasks to do. And it looks great, right? Because um, you can go in and start really, really quickly. You know exactly what you're doing because the team knows what it's doing. Um, but then, yeah, you get into it a little bit more and you realize that actually you don't have that context. Um, in a larger organization or in a smaller organization. Um, and and yeah, I'm just beating the drum here for VSM. Um, having that is just a massive eye-opener. Um, I've got a pizza story myself, actually. Have we got a minute? Oh, please. So I, I've I've worked in a, in a pizza place, um, not a real one, um, in Roblox with my nine-year-old. We played like a, doing a pizza, um, a, a pizza delivery job. Um, in Roblox and yeah, we're playing this game and I'm working out why are all the orders stacking up? Um, and oh, it's actually because we haven't got any dough left and, it, and it's all about supply chain. Um, and so actually we haven't got any drivers to go and get some dough. So you recruit a team um, to go and get some more dough from the depot and you do all of this in, in Roblox. I think, oh my God, this is actually, this is work. Um, and actually it's quite enjoyable work because you're getting that context and you're seeing where you fit into um the the overall big picture whether it's a massive pizza delivery chain um or a small startup doing something new um yeah it's wonderful stuff wonderful sorry that's not a question <laughs> i i can i can riff out that though you, you gave me a lot to talk about it hey, um, cool. not that there's ever any shortage but um <laughs> Uh, one thing that I think is the gap between the Roblox example and your average uh, day of work is that feedback loop. And feedback with measurement gamifies work, right? It mm -hmm. allows you to understand performance in a way that you can see the effects of your efforts. And that is very satisfying to us, you know, as humans, like our, a sense of progress is very powerful, right? It, it really connects us to our work in a way that allows us to get into flow. And a lot of like our sense of flow can be, uh, you know, as engineers, I'm sure you folks have experienced this, you can get into the sense of flow doing the wrong thing, right? Building something that's completely useless. I've done this many times in the past. Um, but it's because, you know, you're getting feedback, right? Uh, if you're not getting the right type of feedback, uh, your brain doesn't know that that feedback isn't connected to, you know, the larger organizational goals or anything that actually matters. Um, value stream management gives you an opportunity to connect all of that to the bigger picture, the larger system, so that you can see, 
okay, when you do this, here's what happens. And I've, you know, as the system, and I've been keeping track of our delivery of value for the past six months, I know that when this happens, good things happen. When this happens, bad things happen. Um, so, you know, we could potentially be getting feedback uh, at many different points as we work to kind of keep us in that sense of flow, facilitate our sense of progress and keep us going in the right direction. I, I'm visualizing a, a workflow for, we, we come from sort of an Atlassian focused thing. So in my head, I'm looking at a JIRA workflow, right? And I'm thinking about a startup that has a relatively straightforward path. This person builds this thing. It gets this, it's, it's relatively straightforward. It's a small one, right? It's small. There's a few people who are doing each block in the chain as it were. And um, what I see though, is as things become more complex, that simple chain of blocks starts to look like a web, right? And it starts to get real gnarly thing because complexity increases, headcount increases, customer demand increases, the feedback cycles are starting to go off in different places. How do you tame that? How do you, how do you come into an organization where maybe the web is already there and there's some calcification going on around in, in spots? How do you look at that and go, well, this is a lovely web you've built, but at the end, well, there's no end because there's 10 different outputs. How do, how do you get a hold of it, Steve? And the web could be an org chart as well, couldn't it? Oh, very man. often the same thing. Oh, that, that gets us into some interesting territory. Um, the web is absolutely a ter- is 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 absolutely an org chart. You know that's a, that's a really strong, and I think you know that's actually got us into a lot of trouble historically. Is having that as the only visual representation of the organization and how work is done, because it's not an accurate representation of how work is done. Uh, it has nothing to do with how customers get value. It's just a way of kind of sorting people and keeping them in places so that they don't drift around. And people know who to talk to and ask for permission. Um, but to get to the detangling the web, one thing that is kind of interesting about people who approach me and, and are interested in kind of mapping their value streams or tackling a, a flow-related problem is that they always have to feel like they're, they always feel like they're not set up to start mapping. And it's almost like when people hire a cleaner and then they like clean before the cleaner comes in, <laughs> uh, you know, so it's not, it's not too messy. I've always wondered about that. Um, which is, you know, I, I kind of understand that and it's, uh, it sounds nice um if you're able to do that and and kind of simplify the problem at hand right the challenge is you know the reason that you're in the situation is that you you are unable to to manage the, the scenario um to an extent that you can sufficiently simplify it and there are professionals who will you know do that for you um the way that is done is really um, there's a couple different approaches. You could start from a domain driven approach, um, 
there's a lot of folks who've been working on domain-driven design for a long time. And if, you know, if you're listening in from Europe, you're probably more likely familiar with that approach because it's very popular in Europe. In North America, the sort of manufacturing first approach of value streams and value stream management and manufacturing kind of linear process um, is a little bit more popular. People in the States like measurement and data and um, sim simple flows. And, you know, Europeans tend to be more comfortable with abstracts and-, and uh, Very much more behavior. Yeah, blobby <laughs> things that kind of intersect and overlap and Venn diagram-ish things. Uh, but either way, um, I think all successful approaches start with a customer and work backwards uh, or with an outcome and work backwards, right? In, in both cases, you're really talking about outcomes, um, but you can trace a value stream very effectively by, by looking at a customer and saying, how do they get what they want? from us and then what happens before that and what happens before that right and it's almost like a five whys approach but it's more like five what's um but you don't stop at five you you stop when you get to and then you know we came up with the idea um <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> working backwards from a customer is always a great approach it's usually not what people commonly think of so even just doing that for fun is a very valuable thing. And you can do it on your own. You don't have to necessarily do it with your team. Um, the other approach, the domain approach, is kind of looking at um, problem domains, looking at jobs to be done, things like that. It's still very customer-centric, but there's a, a few different techniques. Um, the important thing really is to start from the customer and work backwards. And then you can see where the efforts kind of branch off. Um, but the, that complexity, like the fact that we can't grapple with that web in our heads and certainly not collectively, right? You can't share that web with someone else's brain means we have to map it, right? We really have to get it out of our heads onto a collective surface so that everybody can say, well, that looks right. or we missed a step. And now with online tools, like we've all leaned into these online whiteboards, you can zoom out, you can zoom in, you can represent incredibly complex webs uh, of value stream networks in a very productive way. And so I think, you know, we're at this perfect time now to start doing this collaborative mapping that's gonna start to untangle that web and give everybody a much stronger understanding of how this machine works and how we can turn the dials and uh, pull the levers to make it work better. Mm. Wonderful. So um, you mentioned tools there, um, and you, we we talked probably about twenty minutes ago about um, using tools and being able to use value stream mapping tools that will do things like simulating parts of the the delivery of, of um, of, um, of value, uh, you know, without actually name dropping the actual tools um, that you'd use in there. Um, do you, can you give us some tips on what sort of tools we should be looking at for this or do we even need tools? Yeah, I think a lot of, um, 
how to get started, it doesn't require tools. Uh, there's certainly ways to make it easier, especially if you are distributed, right? That, that's really the main thing. If you're working from separate places, having a collaborative whiteboard is very powerful and I recommend it to everybody. I use it for all kinds of things, everything from basically every meeting I ever go into, there's a collaborative whiteboard and we just start dropping things in. Um, whether it's mapping related or not, if it's just a conversation, it still gets mapped. So the power um, of the virtual sticky note is a beyond, a, yeah, beyond value. Right? It, 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 <laughs> There's something really powerful about having an artifact for a conversation and being able to reconcile, okay, here's what I got out of the conversation. Um, and now we both got the same thing out of it because we can both look at the map and say, okay, well, yep, it looks like you know we covered all the bases. We hit all the agenda items. I've got takeaways, blah, 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 right? That I think is very powerful. And that's where I would suggest folks to start. It's just start talking together uh, to create a visual understanding of what's being done. Uh, and then you can add measurement, which doesn't have to be precise to be effective, uh, on you know how long do things take? What's involved? What, um, what kind of validations are we performing at each activity to make sure that we're doing the right thing or we're doing the thing correctly? There's all kinds of things you can do. What, what tools are we using throughout the, the workflow? Who's involved? Uh, and that can be very powerful. Um, but then when you talk about purpose-built tools for value stream management, um, there's, a, there's a growing uh, collection that I keep track of at a site called valuestream.link. And uh, it's just a website driven by a spreadsheet and I just collected every tool that I can think of. And there's a lot now, but if you're interested in the ecosystem and what's available, there's open source options there. There's uh, very expensive, sophisticated options and everything in between. Well, this brings us to the perfect place to ask about accreditation around value stream management and mapping. Um, how are you involved in that and what do you think? Well, I think accreditation is important for folks to feel qualified, right? I think in the DevOps world, you know, we were really harsh on um, folks who uh, kind of sold pickaxes for the, for the gold rush, right? In the form of certifications for something that we thought was, okay, well, DevOps, depending on your definition was like, just go talk to people that you don't work with on a regular basis, right? Yeah, it's more of a mindset, isn't it? Right, um, but you know, there's a lot of folks who still to this day think that it's about infrastructure as code and it's about CI, CD and it's about all this other stuff. And um, there's certainly a lot of folks hiring talent to do those things and calling it DevOps. and. So having accreditation, I think, is, is valuable uh, in specific contexts. Um, that's obviously coming for value stream management because it is the next frontier beyond DevOps. Um, I don't see any future where uh, DevOps isn't superseded by value stream management. And 
agile as well. Um, so certifications are coming. They are, uh, they're already here to an extent. I worked with Helen Beal to create a value stream management course that's available through the value stream management consortium, which I'm an advisor for. And uh, it's a very comprehensive course and you can actually uh, take a test through the DevOps Institute that will issue you a certification based on that course. Um, and I think it's just a certification that you've completed the course and you know you clearly understand the material in the course. Uh, but I think that's valuable, especially for folks who are interested in getting started uh, with value stream management, understanding beyond the boundaries of DevOps and really starting to bridge the gap between business and tech. That's another big opportunity that value stream management has because business folks care a lot about value streams. They care a lot about customer outcomes. They care a lot about tracking performance and uh, value stream management allows you to connect all the efforts of technical folks, product folks, everybody building uh, with everybody keeping track of what gets sold and how the customers use it and get value out of it. So I see value stream management as this great bridge between business and technology that's really gonna take over from where DevOps got us busting silos and getting thinking about uh, collaboration to really bring the entire organization together. And having certification behind that, there's also a lot happening. I'm actually part of another effort that's connecting value stream management to the software bill of materials, which is something that's really big in the government now, and security to try and track how all the work that's being done in an organization is connected to customer outcomes in a way that you can guarantee the providence of what you're delivering and understand that all the code came from here. There's no, there's no vulnerabilities. Uh, there was nothing injected along the way. And so we can sort of guarantee the integrity of what we're delivering, um, which is another level on top. So I think that there's another convergence here in terms of being able to audit workflow and demonstrate that we are doing everything that we can do to keep our software safe and secure. Um, and you're able to connect value to that. You're able to connect to customer outcomes, value, um, and uh, really everything that the business cares about. Uh, and then the next level beyond that, you know, we get into simulation, you get into um, the, the value stream network beyond a single organization into a network of partners and uh, you know, different suppliers and customers from different perspectives, like multiple levels of customers. So this is really early days and something that's really going to encompass all of business at every level. Well, I was going to ask what has you excited for the future, but I think you just heard the answer. <laughs> Steve, we are so grateful to you today for 
coming by and sharing with us all this tremendous knowledge about value stream management. We will include links to everything that you've you've mentioned today in our transcript and the show notes that will be available on adaptivist.com. And Steve, you got anything on the books that our listeners should know about? Maybe they could come see you somewhere. What's happening next? Uh, on the books is a is a great segue. Uh, actually, I am writing a book uh, with my co-author, Andrew Davis, um, and it's coming out through IT Revolution, so the same folks that uh, published the Unicorn Project and the DevOps Handbook um, and all my other favorite DevOps books. Um, it's coming out next fall, and we have a newsletter that we're publishing it's really kind of chronicling our journey to putting the book together and folks can sign up to that, uh, at inside out, uh, dot work inside dash out dot work. But I'll give you folks the link to put in the show notes for that as well. Um, no physical events on the horizon at the moment, but, um, Looking forward to, to that, uh, getting back to uh, speaking in public, because uh, I really do miss that. Yeah, I think we all do. Yeah, we, we certainly do. <laughs> and I, I, can't, I hope that I get to catch you in person sometime. Matt Saunders, head of DevOps at Adaptus, thank you so much for doing a bang-up job co-hosting today. You're too kind, Ryan. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> and the value stream guy, Steve Pereira, it's just been so tremendous. Thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. This was great.